funny thing happened on the way to a Salt Lake City courthouse recently. As prospective jurors entered the courtroom to be selected to hear, in this case, uh, a case of an environmental activist, other activists handed them flyers published by the Fully Informed Jury Association. The flyers said that jurors had the right to come to a decision based on the evidence and based on their conscience. But according to an article published on truthdig.com, the presiding judge in the case was so outraged by the flyer, he brought the jurors into his chambers one at a time and said that regardless of what the pamphlet said, it was not jurors' jobs to decide if the case is right or wrong, but to listen to what the judge said and to listen to what the judge said was the law and uh, to follow that even if they thought it was morally unjust. In other words, they were not allowed to use their conscience. Well, what exactly is the contemporary function of a jury? What constitutes a fully informed jury? Is jury nullification a viable option for sitting jurors? Here to talk about this is Mike Benoit from the Fully Informed Jury Association, and he joins us this morning. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us this morning. Um, why don't we begin? Uh, it's such an interesting, uh, really, it's an interesting name of an association, a fully informed jury, because most of us assume that if you sit through a case and you don't fall asleep and you don't doodle and, and so forth, jurors should simply be fully informed by hearing, uh, you know, hearing the facts presented. So what exactly is meant by a fully informed jury from the perspective of the Fully Informed Jury Association? Well, I think you should start with understanding what the term jury means. And if you go back into our history, and you just uh, actually one of my references is in 1828, Webster's Dictionary, and in there it says that a jury is a group of 12 people that are empowered in, uh, you know, in the um, in criminal trials to judge not just the facts, but also the law as well. And so that that's really the definition of a jury, and what we have in our modern court system is judges telling the, the people that are empowered to be jurors that they can only judge the facts, that they they have to take the law as he gives it to them. Well, in essence, what he's done is destroy the jury. That's no longer a jury. It looks like a jury, but it's not by what its nature is. So the fully informed sense there is, first off, when they're lied to and they're told they can't judge the law, then and that's the first, uh, you know, taking away of being informed and, uh, from there, it's a, it goes downhill even further because if you can't judge the law, the judges don't even tell you exactly uh, what the law encompasses as far as or what the punish punishments might be. So, uh, you know, they, they expect you to say, oh, this guy, yeah, he did some methamphetamines, and uh, because the law says you can't do methamphetamines, then you need to find him guilty. You don't even know what kind of punishment he's going to get. And, and so that's part of being a fully informed juror is uh, to know all the facts. In our system today, you know, I think, and uh, go back a couple hundred years ago, and you and I lived in a community of 500 people, and if you were put on trial, say, for murder, I know what your whole background is. I know 
uh, you know, I probably know that you're the guy that used to beat up all the kids at school and everything else. Well, today, you know, they say, well, prior history shouldn't be a matter of this. And, the, and both sides try to really get the jury set up to be slanted to their position instead of saying, you know, let the cards fall with the mail and let the jury know everything. Now, and, and it's so interesting, but couldn't that um, reasoning fall on the other side as well? So if a woman has a, uh, a history of promiscuity, is that relevant to determine whether she was, in fact, sexually assaulted or raped? You know, so... Well, Usually the fully informed, I mean, it, you understand, it could, you, we could play both sides on that, though. Sure, but you're still taking the power away from the jury and, and, and you know, stating that uh, it belongs in the, in the judge's hands instead of the jury. And I'm sure, that could prejudice the, the jury uh, you, uh, by her previous, but is it really prejudice? Now, when you think about it, if, if the... Um, it came out of, uh, you know, the old system, the way it was, jury of your peers, and then people from, you know, the, the vicinity, people you knew. Right. And so that was the, the whole process there, to take, to take people and, and, and people that have no, uh, know nothing about you is to also say, uh, you know, uh, to exclude knowledge that um, could work, like you said, to the benefit uh, and then you're saying, well, this could work to the detriment. Uh, yeah, it could, but is this the business of government? We're speaking with Mike Benoit from the Fully Informed Jury Association. We're taking a look at uh, jury nullification. Let's talk about that term. We hear it a lot, but uh, I think a lot of people might not quite understand what it means. So what is jury nullification? I mean, if a jury... It's almost a contradiction of terms because if a jury decides uh, it will, that they don't approve of the application of a law or the law itself, isn't that part of the function of a jury? Well, well, it is. Uh, but when the when the uh, judges, the judiciary, and this is just you know standard operating procedure for them, is that they tell these people they're going to be supposed to be the jurors that they can't judge the law. So when people know that they can judge the law, then they understand what the term nullification means, because they can nullify the law. Thomas Jefferson said that the strongest anchor yet devised against tyranny and government known to man was the jury. And really, this is, you know, people say you don't like the law, elect new representatives. No, uh, don't enforce the law. And uh, you can only do that if you're fully informed. So you just say, well, you know, no, this law either is unjust or the punishment regarding this law is unjust. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna vote not guilty, and and there's your nullification process. Of course, the if you're gonna tell the judge that, they're gonna exclude you from from the pool. So when we take civics classes, it seems that the only thing we are informed as students is that the function of a jury is to be a limit on the application of law. So if we, as you pointed out, so if you've got a problem with the law itself, you need to take that up in the voting booth or through, you know, through the legislative process. That the only function of a jury is to be a check on prosecutorial 
application of a particular law. And it seems that what you're suggesting, and perhaps what the forefathers uh, were suggesting, is that the, the function of a jury isn't to just assess the application of a law, but to question whether the law itself is just. Is that a fair assessment of, of the perspective of the Fully Informed Jury Association? Yes, and, uh, you know, it was, it was the function of a jury. In fact, uh, the whole process came through uh, into American law, uh, from originally from the Magna Carta through uh, a, a famous trial in England. It was the trial of William Penn, who you uh, probably know that Pennsylvania was founded after. He was being tried for um, basically preaching a religion that was unauthorized or outlawed, uh, and, the, and they padlocked his church. He uh, preached outside of the church. They arrested him, and uh, along with another minister. And the penalty, if they have found guilty, was death. Well, his jury found them not guilty. And long story short, the, the, the jury was in, in prison. Four of them were in prison for the verdict. And after a long ordeal, it came through the court system that a jury could not be punished for its verdict, as long as it wasn't based on, you know, fraud or some other means, if it was their honest verdict, then they couldn't be punished for it. And so they, that was a, you know, the classic example of jury nullification, if you would. The law did exist, but they said, no, we're not finding them guilty of this law because it's an unjust law. I want to remind listeners, they're in tune to KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM, KUCI.org on the Internet. This is Justice or Just Us, and uh, this morning we're talking about the jury system, fully informed juries, and the concept and the practice of jury nullification. We're speaking with Mike Benoit of the Fully Informed Jury Association. Um, so can you give some examples of uh, maybe contemporary uh, practices of uh, not fully informed juries and jury nullification. Before uh, before today's show, I was uh, thumbing through some of the uh, online material, and uh, I guess one case I came across was, uh, I believe it was a California case, where an individual was arrested for um, you know possession of marijuana, and what the jury didn't know was that he actually had a license from the state of California to be a medical marijuana distributor, but the federal government went after him, and information about about the clash between states' rights and and the federal government was excluded from the uh, from the jury, or if the jury did know, again the 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 judge's instructions in the federal case were that you aren't supposed to worry about what the state of California is doing; you need to only worry about what the federal case presented is. Is that a good example of where a jury then would be able to to make up its mind on not just the federal law but the whole the whole picture? Yes, that, that's a, that is a good example, and, and you know, it can demonstrate just by looking at that that one example that there's uh, you know millions of possibilities uh, of things that they exclude that you know a fully informed jury should know. And we we talk about you know maybe on this case where let's say the the rape case where you you know she was a prostitute, um, you you say well look at the danger there of letting in that she was a prostitute. You know, keep in mind that really the whole the primary purpose of a protection, especially the right trial by jury, embodied in the Constitution, was not to protect us from one another. It was to protect us from government, government abuses. And, uh, and then, that you know, when you had your laws like your 
um, um, well, prohibition and or the Fugitive Slave Act in the, in the previous century where people were prosecuted for helping runaway slaves. Uh, jury notification, fully informed juries, they just know, if they know their power, they just say, I'm not prosecuting this person for that, I'm not, or I'm not going to find them guilty. And, you know, you go to the uh, prohibition, ending prohibition the same way, and see, these were protections against government more than anything else. So, Well, let me, that's one of the, the, I guess, the devil's advocate questions that I have for you this morning, because when I was going through all of the material, I mean, we, as much as uh, I share your perspective um, and the, the Fully Informed Jury Association's perspective about, you know, keeping check on government, the, the fact of the matter is, is when one looks at public opinion polls and so forth, there's, uh, there's strong support for law enforcement. I'm a professor of criminology, so I look at all of these statistics, you know, strong support for the death penalty, strong support for... Uh, law enforcement and law and order. Couldn't jury nullification actually backfire? And instead of being a check on the state, couldn't it actually protect the state? Where a case presented is one where if you actually follow the evidence, a person should be found not guilty. There is not reasonable doubt. There might be preponderance of the evidence, which is, you know, the burden in a civil case, but uh, a jury just, they just know that the person is guilty. And so they tend to, in a sense, nullify the check on, uh, the, the, the check on, on jury discretion and instead side with the state. Did that make any sense whatsoever? Any... Yeah, I think I understand what you're trying to say there, but uh, the, the thing is that it takes all 12 of them to decide with the state. It only takes one to decide, um, where, or, you know, decide to come on down on behalf of the citizen and say, no, you know, this is wrong. So, you know, we could be uh, all predominantly lovers of the Le- Leviathan state that, you know, cradled the grave nanny state and, you know, worship it, if you will, uh, with but one out of 12 say, no, that's wrong, and not guilty, and then the person goes, they walk, you know. We're not talking, you know, the whole idea of trial by jury is really trial by country, and what it means is that uh, if, would the whole country find uh, the law uh, just? Uh, You know, if you polled uh, all Americans and you said, if somebody murders somebody and it's not self-defense, should they be prosecuted for it, and uh, you'll find 99.9%, just one wackle here or there will say no. So that's really agreement in the whole country. It should be a law. It should be a law that you shouldn't steal from other people or commit fraud and these things. Uh, but when you get uh, laws like, you know, you shouldn't smoke marijuana, and if you do, we're going to put you in jail, you're not going to get the whole nation to agree to that because you might get, you get quite a few, and that's why it is a law. But if the jury knows its power, then the, the law disappears. So the tyranny of the majority cannot suppress the minority that way. And it seems that, you know, the, the concern isn't to get all 12 jurors to either agree one way or to agree another, another way. But as you point out, it only takes one juror to, to put a check on, on the government. And so if there's right. a hung jury, then, then that, that serves its purpose well. So let me ask you this. Is... Um, is the concept of jury nullification a partisan 
uh, practice? Is it something that's promoted more by one side of the political spectrum than another, or by one party rather than another? Well, no, I don't think so. And in fact, I, I, it's hardly promoted by the status quo or the establishment, if you will. And, and that, uh, indeed, is unfortunate. But it's come down through the decades more, more than anything. It actually started getting eroded way back in early 1800s, where I think it was John Jay that said, uh, Chief Justice at the time said something about, sure, the jury has the right or the power to judge the law, but they need not be told that. And, you know, you'll see an erosion of that because as the state grows and, you know, the, the system of laws and whatnot, there's a vested interest for the state to win. And so now we come down to the pike where we've had this erosion all this time of really a, a, of being informed then and to the point where uh, the judiciary and all of, pretty much all the law schools do not teach jury nullification. They teach the opposite. And, they, and I, you know, I've talked to a really brilliant people just passed their bar exam. I remember a guy a couple years back and asked him the question. And he said, no, the jury cannot judge the law. I gave him about a five-minute dissertation, and, you know, boom, he snapped his, and, and got it and said, you know what, you're right. You know, and so, but... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go, go for it. So, so this is a, it's a doctrine that's being taught. It's a false doctrine. And how many people even know they're teaching a false doctrine or learning one? You know, it's interesting because um, I teach a class on civil disobedience. And uh, one of the things that is, is so interesting is that when individuals, you know, of course, one of the purposes of, of uh, performing civil disobedience is to test a law, right? To be able to um, you know, if they pass a, a law on flag burning, against flag burning, the first thing you want to do is burn a flag so that you could then have a forum where you could challenge that in court and, and quote-unquote, test a law. What's interesting is that um, from, from my background, which might be uh, different politically or, or in terms of, you know, ideologically from, from perhaps you or others involved with uh, the Fully Informed Jury Association, uh, I deal with a lot of anti-war protesters or a lot of, you know, different issues. And the necessity defense or the Nuremberg defense is a typical defense used by those in, uh, in cases of civil disobedience. And it really doesn't matter where the individuals fall on the political spectrum. So in my research, I've interviewed people on the far left and I've interviewed people on the far right, whether they're, um, you know, protecting redwood trees or whether they're, they're blocking access to uh, a Planned Parenthood, they'll often use the necessity defense or, or so forth. And time and again, the, uh, the judge disallows any defense based on necessity if it's, well, I needed to protect that, that land or I needed to protect that innocent life, if that's the perspective, or I, um, I needed to prevent my government from committing a wrong, such as, you know, preemptive attack on a country or whatever it might be. And it's just so interesting that time and again, uh, that defense is excluded. And the judge always says, you know, the reason behind the action isn't important. Did that person trespass or did that person block access to the clinic or did that person chain themselves to a tractor or whatnot? And that's really what brought me to the Fully Informed Jury Association because it really does show that the jurors are not receiving 
the proper context of what the cases are. And of course, it's very easy for me to bring up a case of a, you know, a rape victim because, you know, that's always, you always pick, you know, one case that could be, you know, politically sensitive. But the, the fact of the matter is there, there are lots of cases where, um, after the case, the jurors hold a press conference and they often apologize for coming to the decision that they did because they feel that their hands were tied. Right. And, you know, it's part of the whole system that we've established in this country. And I say we've established, of course, I mean the process as time goes on for people not to be independent individual thinkers. Where, you know, through our educational process, we're taught to memorize what somebody said or, you know, memorize this history book or whatnot and, uh, and go from there. And we've got a society of people now that say, you know, I, I talk to people like, well, let's go, you know, do a little political picnic at the park. And they go, can we do that without a permit? Right. And it's like, can I do, you know, and it's like, do I have permission to do anything? And, and tell me what I can do and tell me what I can't do and do my thinking for me. And so the independent thinkers are, you know, few and far between today. People that would accept the judge's uh, command that you can't judge the law are the, the dominant the predominant, that's probably, you know, 97% of the people just go along with that because that's the society we've come to be part of. Back at our founding, the people were neither dependent on government or indentured to government. They were free people, independent. And today, you'll find look around and try to find those people that were either dependent on the government or were indentured to it through taxation and regulations and everything else. So, you know, we're not a free and independent people anymore, and that's why this part of this process, uh, even that, that situation where you talk about the, the rape victim, if we were free and independent people and could think for ourselves, we would not use this thing that she was a prostitute, uh, especially if we knew the guy was this violent guy that tended to beat up women, too. We knew all the facts. We'd say, you know what? Uh, she wouldn't be uh, here unless it was rape because um, she'd, um, you know, do anybody a favor and put them on the credit list, you know. So must have been. He got drunk, beat her up, and raped her, you know. Uh, and that people could, you know, think their way through it. Is it going to be perfect? Absolutely not. But the state dumbs us down, tells us we can't think for ourselves, tells us we got to do what they say, and somebody gets convicted, we're stealing let's say i know i know the case where guys get he's a petty burglar three strikes and he's serving 25 years to life well you know if we knew this we want this guy to uh, spend 25 years for stealing some jewelry and for us to pay the expenses of 30 to forty thousand dollars a year for this stuff yeah there's there's a clip on the the website that uh talks about that it says yeah the person's clearly guilty of you know of uh, possession of methamphetamine, but, you know, when, when jurors find out that it's going to be, you know, a 25 to life or kind of thing, you know, people don't believe that that's a proper punishment, and so they might nullify on, on issues of that. But if they're not told what the sentence could be, then the, the jury simply becomes the foot soldiers of the prosecutor. And I think that that's... Exactly. What, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, this is, this is how we have control of our government, by the, through the jury. Uh, otherwise, we don't have control. We're electing our masters. Uh, and then if we can't say, no, you know what, you did wrong, we're not going to go along with that, uh, then, you know, we're electing our masters and we're their servants. They're, they're not our servants, that's for sure. 
Well, Mike, I told you I wouldn't keep you too long. I know you're slightly infirmed this morning, so I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, finally, tell our listeners uh, anything you'd like them to know about uh, what their rights are with regard to juries and uh, how to find out more about the Fully Informed Jury Association. Well, they can go to uh, FIJA.org, F-I-G-A.org. F-I-J-A. Yeah. Yes. And what I want, would like them to always know, always know, Vote your conscience. There's a voice in there listening. Listen to it. And if it tells you, you know, uh, no, there's something's wrong here. And when the judges tell you that you can't judge the law and anybody going to have a problem with that, just assume the judge is not going to give you something that is so perverted that it shouldn't be law. Get yourself on the jury. And, um, you know, when you find out that there's an abusive process, do your duty to your fellow human being and, and let them go. Uh, Mike Benoit, I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you now. All right. Take care.